What's up, traders? Anthony Crudelli here, and we are live on Periscope. Great to be with all of you today. We've got a lot to talk about today because obviously busy markets right now. So Jack Tacker is going to join us, and we're going to talk about what we're seeing in the markets, and we're going to talk about something that I think is extremely important, working and trading life balance. Futures Radio Show is sponsored by CME Group, and they are the world's leading and most diverse options and futures exchange. And right now, micro treasury futures are now live at CME Group. I tell all traders, if you want to know what the yields are doing, pull up the 2YY, 5YY, 10Y, and 30Y. And to learn more about micro treasury yield futures, go to cmegroup.com. Futures Radio Show is also sponsored by Trading Technologies, TradeStation, and FTSE Russell. The Russell 2000 is a key benchmark for small cap US stocks. Be sure to check out the E-mini Russell 2000 future symbol RTY and micro E-mini Russell 2000 future symbol M2K. To learn more about FTSE Russell and their products, please visit footsierussell.com. Let's get Jack on the stream. Jack, what's up, my friend? It's great to speak with you today. Nice to speak with you, Anthony. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. I became a huge fan of yours following you on Twitter a while back, but I really got to know a little bit more about you without speaking to you from the Trader Line conference, which was great. And you and I started talking and message from there. And I just really enjoyed your presentation. So I'm really excited to speak with you today. And we're going to get to what we're both looking at in the markets and what we're seeing. It's good to have busy markets back again, right, Jack? It's Absolutely. it's nice. It creates, it gives you opportunity. But something I want to talk about first that you you talk a lot about is working and trading life balance. I think this is such an important thing. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and just your style of trading and what you got going on in your trading business. Sure, absolutely. Um, so I'm I'm literally the guy next door. You know, I mean, I, I work a full time job outside my house. I'm married. I have two teenage daughters. Um, you know, and so you know, I'm, I'm I'm the guy next door. So when I started trading, you know, years ago, um, I had to figure a way to incorporate that, which does take a lot of time. I mean, it's not something you could just do, you know, when you feel like doing it um, and incorporate that into my life. So that was, um, you know, that's when I started the journey, basically. Um, but yeah, that's how that's 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 who I am. Um, I do um, on the side. I do jujitsu, Brazilian jujitsu. Uh, that's how I, I train that. Um, it's been fantastic for me. Um, I think that's part of the balance. And we could get into that if you want to. Um, on, on how to, you got to find something outside of trading, outside of work. And even outside your family, I think, in order to uh, to be you know successful. Yeah. So, do you work and trade? Are you full time uh, trading and working? Yeah. So, um, you know, I work full time. Um, trading supplements that income. What I do is my my style is I put my orders in when the market's closed, and this way, if I'm trading, I'm, I'm sorry, if I'm working. The orders will automatically execute, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, worried about missing something too bad. I mean, occasionally do you miss something? Absolutely. Markets sometimes move very quickly without you, but um, but overall, um, that that's kind of how I do it. I, I I have my orders preset when the markets close. I think that so many people coming to this business that want to get involved in trading should take this approach. This is why I was excited to speak with you today because I think too many people want to become traders without thinking that they have to work. And, and I don't understand that type of thinking. I mean, I look at my career, I was on the trading floor and I had to work while I was a member of the exchange for other traders. And I worked at night to be able to 
stay in business. I, I mean, oh. it's not like you just walk into this and uh, maybe some people on Fintwit, uh, they seem to walk into it, but you don't just walk into this business and just start getting income. And even if you right. are making money early on, you really don't want to be spending that. You know, you right. need to find other ways to do it. I don't understand why more people don't take that approach. I think it's an ego thing. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, no, 100%. It's an ego thing. And I think it's, you know, again, you hear it again on Fintwit, you hear people, you know, with these multi-baggers and, and, and these, these huge wins, and they don't really talk about their losses. So they only talk about the wins if they even existed in the first place. And I think that's where, you know, so you have a irrational idea of what trading actually is. And, and I'm guilty of that too in the beginning, you know, you know, you thought you're going to come in and, and you're going to swing for the fences every time and, and, and hit grand slams. And it's just not like that. You know, it, it's singles, it's doubles. And every so often you get a really good one. No, exactly. I mean, is that how it works for you as well? I talk about this a lot. I say that you make money in moments as a trader. I actually got a great question on YouTube the other day. Somebody sent me a question and said that we've heard a lot of traders talk about the 80-20 rule that like 20% uh, of their trades is what makes them all their money. How does that work for you? Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. I mean, I could when I go back and, and review my, my trades, you definitely see these these dry periods and you see, you know, explosions and you see dry periods and explosions. And um, yeah, and, and I think the market's good, you know, three or four times a year at best. You know, and we can, you know, uh, uh, you know, trade really heavy during those times and, and kind of chill out a little bit during the other times. I think we'll all be a little bit more successful. I totally agree. I mean, people put too much emphasis on short term results. They want to make money every single day. And although I do know some traders that will come in and turn a buck and, you know, pretty much not necessarily every day. Nobody really does that. But, you know, every week, every month. I was like that for many years when I was a scalper. I've gotten away from that. One of the biggest challenges I face as a swing trader is that I have to allow time in between things to work. And that's a whole other you know, part of my body that I had, <laughs> had to train myself to say, you know what, you need time to do this. Do you consider yourself a swing trader? Uh, do you consider a position trader? Do you not classify it? Yeah, so I, I do consider myself a, a more of a swing trader. I have retirement accounts like everyone else I have four with you know 401ks you know my wife's got 403b IRAs whatever we have all that stuff those are all long-term accounts that stuff we dollar cost average into you know you have some positions whatever we, we adjust it you know once a year you know maybe every you know nine months or something um not too often uh but then this account you know and I I, I really swing two accounts um yeah yeah it's it's going to be hopefully weeks to months type of trading i mean that's my goal yeah i i know if i stay in a trade longer i'm probably going to be more successful in it and it's just working in my favor um i know if i look at my days in a trade and it's shorter you know if i'm in days to maybe a week or two i know that probably wasn't a good trade for me it was too fast it, it just didn't work out right so it's not the type of trading i want to be in um so yeah if i could be in there weeks to maybe even a few months that's my perfect time frame you know you said something I think is extremely important. If you're in a trade for longer, it's because the market's keeping you in a trade. And I think that people don't respect the feedback from the market enough because one of the questions I get, I know you probably get this a lot is how do you hold on to winners longer? Or how do you get the most out of that 20%, right? We talked about the 80-20 rule. How do you do that? I mean, it sounds so much easier than it is. And this is something that I take a lot of time uh, mentally preparing uh, and knowing that if something's working for me and I'm getting that feedback, I do two things. One is I start to press my trades 
you know, I'm a little bit shorter term. I, I consider myself a swing trader, but because I'm doing, using futures and crypto, I know that you do a little bit more stocks. Mm -hmm. For me, my short term execution is really important because if I start to see something work and I'm getting great response, I try to get it on as much as I can, as soon as I can. And as the trade's working, like with all of us, it's so difficult to try and hold that. But if you're getting that feedback, I've had to put things into play to help me stay in that trade. And that's what I want to talk to you about is how did you get to that point where you were able to accomplish that 80-20? What are some of the things you put in play to be able to hold your winners longer and have that 20% be where a majority of your winners uh, money that you make comes from? Sure. So I think probably one of the most important things I do on the weekend is I try to figure out, are we in a healthy market? I, you know, on Saturday, I, I literally try to answer that one question. What type of market are we in? And I kind of reset every Saturday and try to uh, renew that question. Are we in a healthy market? And so, you know, I do I have different you know, things I look at from bonds and sentiment, whatever, um, all kinds of things uh, to try to figure out the answer to that question. Now, once I, if the answer is yes, well, then on Sunday, I go ahead and create my watch list and make my plan for the trading week at that point. Um, yeah. I like to use moving averages personally um, to tell me what type of trending market we're in. Also, I think that's so simple, but it, it's it just works perfectly. I mean, we know if we have a bullishly aligned moving averages, we're in uptrend. It's that simple. Why, don't overthink it. Don't look at every tick. You know, that's it. Exactly. I mean, I love how much you hear from people that say, well, moving averages don't work. Well, they may not work for you. And I've gotten a lot of pushback on this and people are like, oh, don't tell me that you use moving averages or whatever. Now, I don't use moving, moving averages for entries, but I use them as guides of trend. And they're great because you could take that moving average to whatever time frame that you're looking at. And you could say to yourself, I like the 10-day moving average a lot for my time frame. Mm -hmm. If we're holding above or below it, and I see my other indicators, which I primarily use Bollinger Bands, and we're staying below it, I don't need to look at a trend line or anything else. I know what the 10-day trend is. Mm -hmm. It's just that simple. And that's something that I put into play to keep me in a trade. I mean, people, when they say, well, how do you get better holding winners? Or how do you get to that 80-20 where 20% are? You need to put things in that keep you in the trades, right? You need to put those things in. So mm -hmm. you said you use moving averages because we're going to go to the charts here in a little bit. Before we get there, I want everyone to understand your style and your thinking before we get there. So when we get to the charts, we just start talking about markets and what we're seeing. Absolutely. Take us from the beginning. When you sit down, you say you do a lot of prep. What are you looking at? What are the tools you're using? Okay. So my charts are going to be really simple. And I believe that there's elegance and simplicity, right? If I have too much stuff cluttering up my charts, I'm obscuring the most important thing, which is price. That's the way I look at it. So I use... Two moving averages, you're going to see the nine-day EMA and the 23-day EMA. Those are the two that I use. Um, you're going to see volume on there, and then you're going to see price. And that's that's really it. Um, I'll okay. draw then areas that I think um, are support and resistance, or at least were prior important areas. We'll, we'll find out after the fact of their support and resistance, of course. But um, but that's that's as simple as I can make it. You know, because you know, if price isn't talking to you, what are you really looking at a chart for at that point? Um, so that's, that's what I look at as far as my charting goes. Um, as far as, you know, things that I look at, you know, to tell me if the market's healthy or not, I think, um, you know, there's different things. There's sentiment, bond ratios, you know, that, that kind of tell you what's going on, um, and breadth. I think breadth 
which has been deteriorating since February, um, is, is really important. With that being said, as we know, breath is not a timing mechanism. Like it's been deteriorating for six months now, seven months now. And so, so we can acknowledge it, but that doesn't mean that we can trade off of it. So it's awareness. You want to be yeah. aware in case something starts to happen, like what we saw, you know, a couple of days ago to where all of a sudden now you say to yourself, look at this has been showing it. And now the market's giving me the feedback that this is potentially happening. And now maybe uh, I take caution with whatever it is I'm doing or it sets up for something. I, I just call it market awareness. And I think this is also something that a lot of traders, I really believe, struggle with is taking some of the things that they hear out there whether it's on Twitter or you know other podcasts or other things and saying, how do they utilize this all this information? Because we're at a time where there's just so it's overwhelming. I think that traders that have plans and, and know what they're looking for are confident in what they're looking for can take those types of things, like you said, with breath. And it's just like sitting back there, right, Jack? It's something that you're like, okay, it's not making me trade right now, but if something starts to happen, I'm like, okay, it matters now. We used to say on the trading floor a lot, nothing matters until it does. We weren't watching news a lot. We would see headlines and we watched the market. Nobody would say, oh, I saw that headline. Let me hit the bid or buy the offer. We very rarely did that when we were on the floor. What we did was we'd see the news and then we'd watch. I think everybody nowadays, the algos can do that. We can't do that. So when I see something or hear something or there's anything going on, I go back to the tape. You said 9 and 23 moving averages, volume, price, and breath. Right. That's it. And before we get to the charts, what is your time frame that you're looking at? Is it daily, 60 minutes? Do you have multiple time frames? Yeah. I almost, I rarely will go under a day. Um, so I'll do daily. I look at weeklies um, and I'll look at monthlies um, every well, once a month. But, uh, um, <laughs> but, that, but yeah. that's about it. You know, sometimes I sneak every, every couple of weeks in a monthly, but, uh, but in general, once a month. Um, but yeah, but that's it. So I like to look at my dailies and, and I think weeklies are instructive again, just for that longer, you know, zoom out, see the forest type of thing. Um, or what's going on in the market, you know, are we, did we go straight up and, and I didn't realize it, you know, sometimes that happens, right? Sometimes the market's moving and, and you're so focused on, on, on the minutia that you don't realize what it's actually doing. No, oh, absolutely. And are you long only? Do you short anything? Yeah, I rarely will short. Um, every so often, um, if I'm not exactly sure what's going on in the market, but I don't want to really sell my positions and go to cash, I may, you know, throw a, like an inverse ETF or something in there just to kind of make it a little bit neutral, just to like get a better feel of what's going on. Just kind of keeps me in a little bit longer. How much does news or the Fed or earnings come into play with your trading? Zero. Zero. Nothing. Doesn't matter. Nothing. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, it would have to be a catastrophic news event for me to, to take notice of it. Um, yeah, it doesn't. No, I know. I think there's a Fed meeting this week. I think I read someplace. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, it is what it is. I mean, I, I have no control over that. That's, you know, and listen, I feel like there's a Fed meeting every other week. I, mean, I don't know what their, what their cycle is, but I feel like there's always a Fed meeting to be worried about. And there's always yeah. something to worry about. There's always Fed speakers. These mm-hmm. Fed meetings are... Uh, you know, right. you know, I used to trade them as a futures trader. I used to love Fed days. I mean, we used to get geared up for them, and then they were the focus. 
nowadays I, I, I and i look at it now and go you got the algos and the machines reading the, reading the headlines and they're taking one word and they're moving it so my one friend taught me this who's been on the show brad he's like look for stupid news he's like if if the algos are overreacting the only thing i look for on fed days is overreactions giving me prices that i didn't think i would be able to get and I look at the news and say, how relevant is it? You said this. You said, unless the news is catastrophic, it's not going to change what I'm, do, what I'm doing. And I feel the same way about the way I look at things now because I can't be the first one to click in when something comes out. Because first of all, how am I even going to know exactly how it's going to react? I mean, sometimes you do. If there's a major headline regarding something that I know is going to push a currency or gold or something there, sure, you can hop on that. I don't do that as much anymore. But when it comes to looking at the news and looking at all of the things that we're dealing with on a constant basis out there of information, I just use it as triggers to help me get in. I mean, so many people say, you know, the algos or the HFTs, they drive me crazy. And I say, well, you got to learn to be able to adapt to what they're giving you. And I feel like they give you a lot of gifts. I mean, sure, no, no doubt. Sometimes I get frustrated because they run away from me. I can't get something, you know, or, you know, that is part of this business, no matter what. There's always going to be some frustrations. But ultimately, I think if you learn to understand what it is that they're doing, especially around news events, I, I like them as, like I said, those opportunities that maybe I wouldn't get if they weren't there because maybe retail and pros wouldn't have done anything. I mean, I don't know what you think about that. Yeah. And listen, how many times have you seen um, a news event or a Fed speaker or whatever, and the market reacts to it, and then 10 minutes later, it completely reverses and, and, and goes against you? So if you are that quick to jump in, you know, you just got caught, you know, at, at that point. Um, it happens all the time where, where you know, you see that it, it tanks and then, you know, 15 minutes later, it's green again or, or something like that. I mean, exactly. I mean, but this goes back to where I say, that's where I look for the stupid news. Um, and that's my buddy's words, not mine. But I think it's funny when you think about that, you look at it and say, is this move really matter? You know, I, I, you know, and I look at it and then I say, depending on the product I'm trading, like I saw, I'll give you an example for me. Yesterday, I bought some Ethereum again. I saw mm -hmm. equities getting cracked. I've been waiting to buy ETH on a dip. I saw that they got cracked. I stepped in and I bought it. And I looked at it and I said, this is stupid news. It has nothing to do with Ethereum. If anything, what I look at with crypto, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about crypto with you, is crypto is what I think should be doing well in these types of environments with some of the news and things you see. I mean, I understand that sometimes, you know, when you have equities getting pulled back, you're always going to have this, you know, potentially selling something off of something else. And doesn't necessarily mean it's correlated or tied to it, but it does result in some selling. And I looked at that and said, that was the only thing I could step in. I was actually waiting to see what was going to happen in S&P. I didn't do anything there. But, you know, ETH, actually, I looked at it and said, that makes sense to me. Uh, you know, and, and do you even look at crypto at all? Or are you just stocks? It's funny. I have been watching crypto since, you know, 2012, forever. And wow. I'm the guy that, yeah, I'm the guy that said, I don't know if I trust this. It's kind of wonky how you have to get into this. I don't understand it, whatever. So I completely missed the boat on crypto. Like I am, I'm not the guy that, that got in early, even though I knew all about it. I just didn't have, I just never took that, that plunge. And I, and I should have, that's one of my, you know, financial mistakes I made. Um, but recently I've been starting to buy crypto and you know, what changed for me was that our government had a billion dollar spending bill and basically how they're going to tax crypto held the thing up for I don't know, a week, two weeks, whatever it was, held the whole thing up. So if I have the U.S. government 
wondering how they're going to tax crypto, you know, I, I don't think they're going to regulate it out of existence. And that was my biggest, um, the biggest thing I was worried about with crypto was that it one swipe of the pen and it's regulated out of, out of existence. And I don't, I don't think that's possible anymore, especially as, as you see the adoption and the growth of it across, um, from El Salvador, you know, using it as one of their main currencies. I mean, that's just a beta test for Starbucks to figure out how they're going to get payment, you know, in, in larger markets, you know, whether it's US or France or wherever. Um, so I'm, I'm now a believer in crypto. Um, you know, I, I don't know which one's going to win, though. So so here's my approach. And I actually started this portfolio this summer. I'm going to take the top 20 market cap uh, coins by market cap. I'm going to take out all the tethered coins and all the meme coins and, and all that stuff. And I'm going to buy them all, whatever's left. And that, right now, I think they have about 12 coins I'm buying out of the top 20, 22 or so by market cap. And I'm going to dollar cost average into them. I'm going to keep buying them, buying them, and buying them. Because if I put one, two, three, four percent of my net worth into crypto, well, if it goes to zero, I'm not going to be hurt. But if it goes, 100x or 1000x well i'm gonna make a lot of money so i think that that's that's my way of of getting into crypto and and doing a way that i can sleep at night and and, and be comfortable with um you know and listen and i bought and luckily i bought solana you know and, and so that was up like 400 times 400x like a week ago or whatever did i know solana was in it no idea no idea but it was it had the right market cap had the right you know my criteria so we buy it you know and that's a that's that. What do you think about NFTs? Man, NFTs. It's funny. I went on Decentraland for the first time last week just to see what the heck is going on with that. Um, you know, they, they, you know, people are displaying the NFTs on there and they're showing them. I don't see where the value is. I, I look at them almost like trading cards, like football cards or baseball cards in, in, in a lot of ways. I don't see how yeah. they're going to monetize those things. So you know, I've been buying, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I think the JPEG a, uh, aspect of it is, I mean, I get it a little bit and I understand what it is. I don't mean, I, I get it in the sense of why it's happening, but I am not looking there and I actually have been putting together an NFT little portfolio. It's funny mm -hmm. now, my crypto portfolio is now as big as in terms of what I'm trading NFTs and everything. Mm -hmm. uh, as my futures accounts, which is crazy. Um, and it might even be a little bit bigger actually. Wow. And what I start to look at is with NFTs is I've been buying Z.run. I have a horse stable. I've talked a little about this a little bit. And I think you need to find, not you, but I'm saying when you're looking at NFTs is where, like, is there any utility behind it? So I started putting together a horse stable and I've been breeding horses and stuff like that. And I really think that when I'm starting to see how the how that NFT actually works with that, I'm not going to get into the whole Z type run Z dot run thing, but I think if if people are interested in NFTs, that's the one thing that I have found, or I started this maybe five months ago, that actually makes sense to me, where the NFT space can be used. The JPEGs, uh, I know it's like who knows what can happen with that stuff. It's all spec. I mean, I think that, but that's what we do, you know. So sometimes things that are hot, you step mm -hmm. in, you do it. Uh, but you got to be quick to get out. And that's the question I think is going to happen is, is that what happens when you have a lot of people start to get out? I don't think, you know, the buyers are going to be there because it's one of those things where I think it's a wave up and a wave down bubble, call it whatever you want. But for, for the prices that some of those things are selling for, 
who's the guy who comes in and buys that when you start to drop 10, 20, 30%? Are they going to think that's on sale? Are they going to find that same value? You know, it's different when you're buying things that are going up versus buying things that are going down. And I think it's very similar in the mentality of trading. You know, that's what I looked at it and said, if I buy an NFT, uh, I have to assume it's going to go higher because I'm going to sell it. I know some people are saying, well, I'm going to buy these NFTs. I'm not going to sell them. Well, why are you buying it? I, I, I mean, I don't want it. What am I going to do? I'm going to buy it and look at it. You know, mm -hmm. so, but it's nonetheless, it's an interesting space that I think is going to have, um, I think it's going to have a massive impact that already has, but I think going forward, there's a lot to talk about. But Jack, we're going to go to the charts um, here in just a second and just give us a quick rundown of some of the things before we take a quick break that you think that you're going to want to show us today. Um, you know, I think I'm going to go through some some of the breadth studies I look at. I think that there's a lot of utility in that. Um, and then uh, um, and I like to, um, in the bond ratio that I look at and, and what I'm looking for maybe to see if this market's going to get worse or, or how, how I'm, I'm judging the health of the market. I think we'll go maybe some of that stuff. How's that sound? Uh, it sounds great. Now, everybody, I'm putting a link right now into YouTube uh, and Periscope. In this 30-second break, you could download my ebook. Uh, it's Trading Instincts versus uh, Trading Rules. I think it's extremely important to really understand the difference. We might even talk about that a little bit here, Jack. Uh, so, everybody, we're going to take a quick 30-second break. And when we come back, Jack and I, we're going to the charts. Replace your exchange with TradeStation Crypto. Dealing with multiple exchanges is complicated and it takes time, except with TradeStation Crypto. Because we are not an exchange, we are a broker. You have access to multiple pools of liquidity, all in one platform, in one account, one way. Trade crypto your way, plus earn interest on your eligible cryptocurrencies. Get started in one click. Trade the global markets with trading technologies. TT is the world's fastest commercially available futures trading platform. Now with integrated tools for advanced options trading, cryptocurrencies, and trade surveillance. Learn more at tradingtechnologies.com. All right, everybody. If you are listening on Twitter, give us a retweet or a like on the tweet and hit that like button if you're watching us here on YouTube. It's always great that Traders take the time to speak with me, especially during a busy week, a busy day in the market. So, Jack, we've got the charts up. What are you looking at? And and walk us through the, the setups that you're seeing. Okay. Um, so the first thing I'm noticing, and I like to use the cues um, as as my general um, index of choice. Um, so the big gap yesterday. So that is really, really important. And not only do we gap, but we gap below an area that I had deemed as maybe important. Uh, you know, that shows a lot of, I mean, it doesn't, it's not easy to do. So when I see this push down like this, it makes me very, very um, cautious in the markets. On top of that, again, here's my moving averages I'm using. And you'll see it was in a nice bullish trend for a really long time since, you know, since May, really. Um, it hasn't been violated. Well, now we're starting to get this, this bearish cross, we'll call it, right here. So definitely the dynamics of the market has changed. And I'm not a big, um, right here is tells me that this isn't like a one-day event, right? So this is something that I need to just, you know, is a structural change potentially in the market, at least for, for the short to intermediate term. You know, longer term, obviously, the uptrend is still intact. Um, 
So that right there, so that's a lot of data right there. I think this gap, that's that's information right there. Um, and also now that this area, which was prior resistance, now potentially becomes resistance again. All right, so that, that's important information. So um, that's the cues in general. Um, I also like to look at RSP better than even SPX, um, which is the equal weight S&P, right? And so this is um, starts my breath work. And, and so here's some stuff I had drawn on there. So as we were coming down to retest this area, I didn't know what was going to happen. I thought, what I really thought was going to happen was that we were going to get some kind of bounce and we were going to come to here and then potentially go higher or break through and go lower and have some kind of head and shoulders top or something like that, right? So I really didn't think that we were just going to crash right through this level and come back right into this range. Um, but that's what the market decided to do. So that's that's what happened. And so now, you know, as um, what I'm looking for is, you know, it's about 3% or so to the bottom of this range. And so that's my new floor that I'm going to be watching. Um, again, this is the RSP, so it's the equal weight. So it takes out, you know, the Apples and the Amazons or any of the, um, the, the large cap, mega caps or anything like that. It's going to help sway the markets. Um, this is, you know, exactly what's going on. So uh, that's kind of, uh, you know, interesting to me. So 3%. Now, I'm a growth trader. I like growth names. I like things that, you know, are going to move a little bit faster, right? So if Equate S&P is 3% away, a growth name maybe has 10% move to the downside, you know, in general, two to three times, at least that's what I've, um, through my experience, I've seen two to three times what, what the S&P does is what growth names tend to do. So I have to understand how much or how much lower I could potentially go in this, uh, in this cycle. Um, so that's, that's um, the RSP. I, I like looking at, and then I start to get into some other stuff. Um, I like to look at the bond ratios, which is IEI by HYG, right? Divided by HYG. So this is high yield bonds. I'm sorry, this is government bonds divided by high yield bonds. And so I'm just gonna get all these moving averages and stuff out of here, just so we could take a look at this. So this is a, a ratio chart. And so this was back COVID right here, right? And so I don't really care what this is doing as much as it's not doing this, right? So widening of the spreads right here is, is usually a very negative on the market and the market reacts poorly to that. So that's always what I'm looking for, right? I want to see, you know, whether it's sideways action, sideways action, but I don't want to see these big spikes in the market because, um, you know, the bottom market, they say is pretty smart. And so if we start seeing, you know, people, you know, going into government bonds and selling high yield bonds and this spikes up really fast. I think that that's um, an environment that is not good to be on the long side, personally. Um, so you see, we had a little spike yesterday, but nothing that concerns me overly, you know, because it doesn't look like this, right? That's what we're looking for, this. And you see on the way down, we've had some point, you know, points where we've had some stuff, but nothing, again, nothing crazy. Um, so. I'm looking at bond markets to to kind of confirm what or, or or not confirm what we see in breadth. And we haven't seen that confirmation yet by the bonds saying that the whole market's going to fall apart. Um, and so that's what keeps me on the bullish side of thing. I'm not going out to you know buy the dip tomorrow, but I think that 
um, the longer term trend is still intact. And when it's no longer going to be intact, we're going to see a change in, in the bond um, ratio like this. Uh, the last thing that um, I'll, I'll guess, well, actually we'll do two more things. Um, I like to look at the MMFI, percent of stocks above the 50-day moving average. Um, I put in just some general areas for extremes. And as you can see, you know, only 32% of the stocks are above their 50-day moving average. So, you know, over time, breadth has continually since, you know, it was it February, yeah. you know, it's been just deteriorating, you know, and again, we had, you know, a little bounce here, now it's rolling back over. Um, so again, not a timing mechanism, but you just see under the surface, you know, slowly things are churning and, and, and not being held up as well by the institutions. Um, and I think there's a lot of information in that also. What's interesting to me is that we've actually been low. What time frame is that? Is that a daily? This is daily. That's a daily, yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that we're actually not making a lower low there than we were not too long ago. And I'm wondering, do you look at things that you're comparing Brett to to see if markets are making lower lows or higher highs or anything like that as a comparison to say, hey, you know, this is something that is also interesting to me. Yeah. So, I mean, so we, we're making, you know, we're not making lower lows, which, which is constructive, no doubt. And we're making higher highs on this shorter term time. Yeah. Frame, that's what right? I was saying. Yeah. Yeah. Right there. So, yeah. Um, and so that's the indecision, the market, right? So there's no yeah. clear cut, you know, like, like no one can tell you exactly like what's going on, you know, I mean, maybe you could you know, say, okay, well, here's a trend line and, you know, and, and now we're breaking below that trend line. So breath is starting to deteriorate again. I mean, and, and I'll look at that, but I won't trade off that, but that will be part of my own. It'll be my thoughts. Let's put it that way, um, so but, it, but not actionable. So when it comes to breath, are you and your experience noticing that it is similar to what we've seen here to where it starts a period of time before it actually starts to impact the market? Is that how it typically works? For sure. You know, it, it goes back to the, the old adage of, you know, in order for, you know, a, a, a aircraft carriage to turn around, it takes a mile, right? It takes a mile. For, and the markets are the same way. You know, they, big institutions can't, aren't nimble. They can't get in and out of the markets the way, you know, you and I can. So it takes a long time for them to, to reposition themselves. And, and there's a chance that's what we're seeing here. You know, we won't know again until after the fact, but there's a chance that they're repositioning for next year. You know, so they took all of 2021 potentially for them to get into positions that they want to be in, in 2022. Um, Got it. So that's, that's why I look at it. Yeah, no, I get that. And I want to maybe have you pull, go back to the QQQ a little bit. I want to just take a look at it and a few things here. Uh, are you currently positioned in this right now? No, I only okay. have one position on right now. Only one position. Yeah. So let's look at the QQQ because this is something that, you know, when I see like the NASDAQ I've been looking at as mm -hmm. for potential trade opportunities right now, I'm waiting to see how things obviously set up. I'm in nothing at the current moment, but I'm looking to buy I, at this point. I'm pretty still bullish, I think, on the overall trends and I'll use futures as a swing position. Uh, what do you see in here in the queues to where you would start to say, okay, this looks like an error. This is a setup I'd be looking for that it would start to get me interested in being long. Yeah. So I have to have something I can manage risk against. So right now, I don't have anything I can manage risk against unless I want to get short. So if I want to get short, I can manage risk against this area, right? Or potentially these downward sloping moving averages and maybe play to the bottom of this range or something of that nature. 
So, yeah. but to the upside, I don't have anything I'm comfortable with for my time frame to manage risk against. So I wouldn't play it, you know, now to, to get long, you know, if price comes back above this area, maybe above 370-ish or so, you know, convincingly, and these moving averages start to flatten out and prices above maybe flat to rising moving average, um, 923 day EMA, that would change my mind. But yeah. right now, this structurally does not look conducive to me to be, you know, bullish, maybe sideways top. I'm not saying we have to, we have to go down and, and be completely bearish. You know, it could just move sideways here, but yeah, I mean, and there's a lot of volume that's been traded here in the past. So, you know, if we do break down from here, that's, I mean, that's a, that's a, not a good sign, obviously. Yeah. It's funny. I see the same thing on my short-term charts. The only thing I see, the S&P looks weaker to me on my stuff. And the NASDAQ still looks rangy to me. It's not really given up, we'll say, to where it starts to look bearish. Like the S&P to me does uh, look like, I think you would want to be in a short-term selling rallies versus buying dips. Maybe we'll, yeah, we'll take a look at SPX. And, you know, it's just one of those things where, well, by the way, we got Canny saying what's up to us. What's up, Canny? And, um, you know, I was just curious to see because you use the moving averages mm -hmm. and here we are now at the S and P, are you looking at it? Does it have to regain the moving averages? Because, you know, my, in my thinking, it's like, do you, do you have to have that much of a confirmation happen first or could it go down to support, hold support for a period of time? Maybe that breath starts to strengthen and you're getting in and then potentially it gets above the moving averages and maybe you got a better entry. I mean, just walk us through that. Yeah. So something that I've changed and actually COVID taught me, the COVID rebound taught me. So I was in the camp of we're going to get a double bottom and you know, when we rebounded, there's going to be a double bottom coming and then that's going to be the opportunity. That never happened. We basically went straight up and I should have paid more attention to the breath thrust, right? And then uh, there's different ways that people define breath thrust, but basically 90 plus percent of the stocks moving higher is, is a breath thrust in general, um, at least the way I look at it. So with that being said, you know, if I see a breath thrust on, on high volume, then that would be a potential sign, even if it's below moving averages to yeah. start to nibble. It doesn't mean go 100% in, it just means, okay, what's been holding up well, what looks pretty good, because just, again, I don't always trade indexes, I'm trading usually individual stocks. So if we see the breadth thrust and the index is under the moving averages, but I'm looking at a stock that's never dipped under the moving averages, there's my relative strength, that's the next, next leader potentially. Let me ask you this about breadth. Does, you talked about how it looked bearish from February. Now that we are seeing the market pull back down and let's just say the breadth starts to get bullish is mm -hmm. that have a quicker impact i mean obviously the indices have gone up and they're really built to go up we know that right, right. Uh, they're not really built to go down um is is that an indication that would be taking place quicker and give you more of a reason to step in earlier 100 percent. i mean okay. if breath so listen if i see rsp outperforming sdx right or, or or you know or any of the equal weights outperforming their weighted indexes if i see the value line geometric index really start to take off. Um, I think that those those would definitely get me much more bullish, much faster, um, without a doubt. But that being said, I like trading above rising moving averages. Yeah, no doubt. Because like we talked about early on, that's how you hold the winners. I mean, when things are all lining up, then you have that ability to 
to manage the trade better, to stay in the trade longer. Everybody wants to hold the trade as long as they can because, well, typically we we, we want to hold a winner as long as we can, right? And, and it's funny how so many traders, this is where I think stepping in here, trying to find a good price, bottom feeding, and who knows, this could be the lows, I, I don't know, yeah. where it gets really hard to hold a winner, right? Because let's just say it stays below those those moving averages you have for weeks, mm -hmm. right? And if you're a swing trader and you're saying, well, look at that low is still held, but it hasn't gotten above the moving averages, that, that really forces you to have a weak hand, right? And probably on a down move, you're going to hit the bid because now you're going to be like, you know what? I, I, I'm struggling to hold this trade. Is, is that kind of the reason why you really like that? Because at that moment, you just feel like you have a stronger hand in it and you're not going to be as active? Right, exactly. I mean, the more active I am, the poorer I trade. I mean, <laughs> that's just the way it is. <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, yeah. it's just the way it is, right? I mean, sometimes you, you, you over trade because you're trying to, you're trying to be too smart. Too, too cute with it sometimes you know um, i yeah i feel for me that it's the only time that i can really be very active is when it's really volatile like right now you know as a futures guy it for me intraday i could step in and out of the market and i feel like i could be somewhat active there but overall uh the minute that that ends and, and really these days and we'll talk a little bit about that jack yeah. how fast is volatility in, right i mean it feels like these breaks, if you just look at this chart of the SPX, I don't know how far back this goes. I'm, I'm looking, it looks like it's probably close to a year, right? Yeah, here's a year right here. Look at how little time they spend. It's almost like the same thing over mm -hmm. and over again, almost no time spent on the breaks. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's talk about what would start to say. We both said that in the short term that we see weakness looks like it should continue. We're seeing a little bit of a bounce today. Yeah. But, you know, though, and, and let's talk about that for a second. So if you yeah. notice on the way up, you know, we have these big moves up. It gets extended here. The moving averages are kind of wide right here. And then what does it do? It checks back in, gets up, checks back in, up, back in. And it just keeps from the whole year. It's been doing the same thing. Well, now we're doing it from the underside. So the expectation at this point is going to be it's going to drop down, come back, check back in. And then my expectation is it's going to roll back over. Now, if it doesn't, then that's that's information i think at that point but just like how it, when it got extended to the upside it checked back in as it gets extended to the downside i'm expecting it to check back in and you know low some some new longs back in thinking it's the bottom and then another down move just the same way because the trend doesn't matter if it's going up or down the trend is the trend yeah i mean when you really look at things right now i feel like this next week or two pretty critical when you yeah. look at the technicals, I mean, uh, it, it, if the trend is going to continue lower, we're going to really know within the next week or two. I think that it's it's going to show it to us. And I think that's something else I want to talk about. You and I are talking about things that the market proves to us. We don't know. We know that we don't know. But the market's going to show us something. And this is kind of why I like Bollinger Bands. I talk about this a lot because when I see a mouth opening in a Bollinger Band and we're going lower below, bowling, uh, below the moving averages, that to me is short-term bearish. And that's really the first time I have seen the S&P on a daily start to hug a bottom Bollinger Band below the 10 and 20 day moving averages. It's been so long since I've seen it. It's almost like I'm looking at it going, do I really, am I, am I going to start selling rallies now? So even with the stuff that you're looking at and the way you look at things, it feels like we're at a critical moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll be honest, it feels like we're, there's been a shift because even when you look at, again, Bollinger Bands, you know, and, and moving averages, like look back here, like 
yeah, they crossed back here and then we had this nice powerful move, right? And price quickly got back above it, right? Yeah. That's a, that's a lot of information right there. You know, today, you know, it was up what three quarters of a percent, whatever it was this morning. And really it's kind of sold off since the open. That's a very weak response for a, after a two, what is it, 1.7%, you know, roughly 2% in, in different markets, whatever you're looking at. It's, it's a very weak response to a big down day. To me, it's just, it, it screams of that, that they don't want to buy this market yet. You know, I mean, that's just, so any rally, even if this drifts a little bit higher, I mean, especially if it's on lower volume, any, any rally, it's gotta be suspect. I mean, this is definitely a, a you gotta prove to me type of market. No doubt. Uh, 100% no doubt. I just want to let everybody know. I'm going to start taking questions from everybody. If you have some questions for Jack, please put them in Periscope or on YouTube, and we'll start to ask Jack some of these questions as we got about 10 minutes left uh, here with Jack. Jack, I want to take us through, because we just both agreed that this is, seems like a critical time. Yeah. And I always say to people, I'm not here to tell you what to think. I'm here to teach you how I think. And if that helps you as a trader, great. How, what are some things, let, let's go over for the SPX, I think maybe even the Russell, because I think the Russell is a key market to be keeping an eye on right now, and the NASDAQ. What do we look at to say that trend is now going to be confirmed, it's going to be bearish for a period of time, we start to look short? Um, do you compare the indices across the board? Maybe one turns bullish, one is still bearish, will you look at that? Walk us through what you'll be focusing on, your process-wise, to confirm bull or bear trend going forward? Gotcha. Well, IWM is probably the easiest of the bunch, right? Because it's an equal weight chart um, uh, index by itself. And it's been in a range since totally. February, literally sideways. I mean, look at yeah. this. It's crazy, right? Um, it's why so, I think it's so important because if it gives way one way or the other and it continues, I think mm -hmm. it, it pulls one way. A hundred percent. I'm a hundred percent with you on that. So yeah, so I'm watching the IWM pretty pretty closely to see if this, you know, we'll call it, you know 208 ish, you know 209 whatever this area, um, if it holds, right? If this holds, then I think it's just sideways chop and it's it's more the same. If price starts breaking down below this area, um, I think that's a big deal. I think that's a really big deal. So that's I'm watching and and vice versa. If price can break back above, you know 234 ish, 235 maybe. You know, I think that's a big deal also. But so, you know, I consider this maybe no signal at this point, but the longer this moves sideways. Energy more, building. Yeah, it could be energy building, right? And the prior trend's higher. So we'd like to see it go higher. But, you know, sometimes this type of chop, I look at it as changing of hands, of, of, of stealth distribution going on sometimes too. Um, I, I worry about that sometimes of, of people, you know, trying to hide hide their, their selling so again I, I don't make a decision on that but i i it, it's got to prove itself and iwm small cap risk on type name you know um iwo i look at that one too sometimes it looks exactly the same though um you know this is the, the uh, growth etf for the small for the russell um you know, same same thing though yeah it's interesting just like when i see the russell a friend of mine one time said he goes, it's like a door, uh, it's like a dog running in between two doors. Eventually, once the one door opens, the dog runs out and, and it runs much further than you think. And I just, I think about that analogy anytime I see a really, you know, consolidated type market. And that's why I've been looking at the Russell quite a bit. 
because I think that the Russell is, I think there's going to be opportunity there. I mean, for me as a future side, that's probably one of the top markets I'll be looking to trade if, if you do start to see a breakout, because I haven't done anything in it for some time. I, I think a breakout with full cooperation from the other indices, I think that, you know, the Russell becomes a market to trade. Yeah, and I'll be honest, Russell really hasn't led. I mean, it led in here a little bit, but yeah, a little really, bit. The, the, the mega caps really have been leading the market for a very long time. It'd be nice to see that Russell take some leadership because that would definitely, in my opinion, be more of a risk-on type scenario and, and, and give me more confidence in the market too. Yeah, last November was, I think, the best month on record for the Russell. I think it was 18%, and they called it the November to Remember. And I remember talking about it a lot. And that's that was a time where it really did lead the rally. And you saw really full participation, cooperation with all the indices. Mm -hmm. And I look at it now, it could be the same thing in either direction, really. I mean, let's face mm -hmm. it. It's as much as I think, you know, I talked a little bit about how I think in the for my longer term stuff or even my swing stuff, I really like to still buy NASDAQ on dips, even S&P. But if it starts to really break down bearish with the Russell confirming that, I would step back um, from even buying stuff in my longer term portfolio. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah I mean, because yeah. I think that the Russell could, because then I would need that confirmation that it stopped again, you know, because mm -hmm. I would, I would, unless I was piecemealing in something for my longer term stuff. But I think that the Russell is just, if it starts to get hit here, I just look at that chart and go, you know, it's just something to keep an eye on. We'll say yeah, that. No, I, I agree with you. I think that that is. That is the, one, of the, one of the charts to watch. No also. doubt. Maybe let's go to the S&P now mm -hmm. and see what you think. A comparative, I want to keep it on that same time frame. So, yeah, I mean, you see this, and this goes back to when I see this type of setup. Do you look at the divergence between the indices and, and say like, we, I know that we've been really talking about this a little bit to where, how we think the Russell's important. Mm -hmm. It's like, when you look at the S and P right now, uh, just give me your thoughts on what you think when you, after you look at the Russell and you look at the S and P as even for potential trades or once again, what you'd be looking for. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, in a lot of ways, S and P is, is leading it down, you know, yes, right? I, mean, I agree is, with that. Yeah, I mean, so, so the question is, and let's go ahead and flip charts to like Apple, right, or or um, Amazon, right. So the question is, you know, how much are these mega caps controlling the indexes? And I, I think that they are. I think that the mega caps, you know, are really um, basically in charge. And um, I, I I think that uh that there's going to be you know. I mean, how much more growth do, and again, this is not really technical analysis, but, you know, how much more growth, growth does Amazon have? Does it have another 10x, 100x, you know, or is it kind of towards the end of its, you know, doing those, those double, triple digits at gains? I don't know the answer to that, but, but I think that, that they're going to be leading the market on the, on the downside. And I think that they're going to push the SPX with it, with it. And look at the RSP, right? Um, you know, RSP is, is, back in this range very similar to iwm equal weight yes. um, which is also equal weight and and that's you know you want to look at you know 145 call 145.50 you know if rsp breaks below 145.50 you know i i think that's a, a a false breakout up here right go to you know a weekly time frame it's gonna get ugly now but you know false breakout at this point and confirmations for me would be you know maybe 145.50 and then there's a lot of space down here so you know that's 
you know, the, the, the bearish, you know, potential scenario, I think. Um, but that's what I'm looking at right there. And that's a pretty ugly looking scenario. Yeah. I mean, that's why I, I, it's, I feel like after even watching everything with you today, it's, it's like the S and P, I get the sense that you think the S and P is leading us lower. You said that I feel the same way. I, I said it earlier, I said, when I looked at my charts, the S and P is telling me to sell the rallies for now. NASDAQ still tells me we're rangy. Uh, and so does uh, what still looks bullish. And then the Russell looks like it's just in a complete range bound trade. And I think us both thinking that we're at a critical time right now, it's going to be interesting to see which one really starts to push and probe the other one to start to get all of them to start to work together. Because I feel like we're seeing this massive divergence right now. And and I, I feel that for me, I know myself and I know myself as an intraday trader and even a swing trader. When you've got a lot of divergences in the major indices on the daily charts that we looked at, and we don't even really have great clarification on even what you're seeing with the breath. It's like we saw that it was weak for a period of time. Now it's trying to grind up. It's just certain things you look at and you say, what's going to give? What's going to be the thing that breaks? And I think we'll kind of leave on that uh, today before I let you go. What, what would be the thing that you you feel that would give you what, – what do you think we should be looking at? to start to really, the one thing, let's say, the main thing that would say, this is going to start showing us that this is what's gonna start happening next. I mean, in the end, price. I mean, I, I, I hate to say, you know, price, but you know, you have to watch price. Cause I mean, a price under declining moving averages, that's bearish. I mean, let's, let's, you know, let's just keep it as simple as possible. That's as bearish as you, as you can get. Um, if these moving averages, Starts flat out, price gets above it. Now I think we're at least neutral, if not potentially ready for that next um, the bull run. And, and remember, a lot of people are one foot in the door, one foot out of the door. They're going, you know, they're, they, the market is whipping them around so fast. And I think that's a, a problem too. I mean, when you look at the equity only put call ratio, um, which is right here, you know, and I always, you know, put this in market, you know, this is the sentiment, right? And so, it's not extreme. It hasn't been extreme since, well, that, that was COVID, right? That was the COVID bottom right there. That was extreme. Yeah. But this is, there's nothing, you know, so if I see some extreme type readings like this, then I'm going to get bullish, right? This is, this is what I'm looking for to really get bullish. If this is a protracted downtrend that we're going to start, that we're starting. I don't know if it is, but if it is and, and things start to look really bad, I'm looking for the put call ratio equity only um, to look like this. And that would get me into a more bullish sentiment. Yeah, I'm glad that you pulled this up. I, that's a very interesting chart looking at at that. And, you know, I asked you that question. I'm going to answer for myself. The one thing I'm going to be looking for is just, I think just the full cooperation, whether it's all of the indices staying below the moving averages. I see my Bollinger Bands opening up. I start mm -hmm. to see the cooperation start to happen, whether it's bullish or bearish, for the indices start to work together. I think that is going to be an early tell for what I think can be an extended move. I see so much divergence uh, to me that I feel that it's just a push and pull market. No matter what, you're going to have one that leads weaker, one that leads stronger. You're going to have these ranges. And, and in my experience, it always comes down to when they all work together, you go back to that November to remember in Russell, that was a great time to be along pretty much anything. And it was the Russell that led it and they outperformed. But when you looked at everything else, the charts looked so similar. We are seeing divergence in so many things that you, you showed us today, Jack, 
um, for somebody who's got a little bit wider time frame than me, looks more at the cash markets, looks more at the stocks, that it's the perspective is right now is that it, it's hard to really be anything. It's really so much of do we start to see everything start to open up and look like this one trend is dominant over the other? As bullish as we've been, um, most of us out there, I mean, you're, if you're not bullish, it's because <laughs> you're just fighting the tape. But it, it, right now, I feel like a lot of people are looking at it going, eh. Right, right. Exactly. And then, then there, and that's the complacency, right? There's a complacency in the market that's, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm not bearish. I mean, short term, I'm, I'm, I'm bearish. But, but longer term, I'm still bullish because the trend is still higher at this point, right? Um, exactly. We haven't seen that change yet. I mean, that's one thing I'm going to take it just to you and I for now. Mm -hmm. That's one thing that we, that is so important is that as much as we talk about this, has the primary trend really gotten cracked down that much? Right. It really hasn't, mm -mm. Um, which is, like I said, the story is yet to completely be told. Jack, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today. Let everybody know where they can learn more about you on Twitter. If you've got a website, any, anything uh, anywhere that you like to send people. Sure. Um, so on Twitter, AlphaCharts365, that's my handle. Um, I post every day there. Um, I run some scans. I post every night that are uh, pretty good. Um, on the weekends, I do post some YouTube videos. I link them on Twitter. So um, that's a place to find me, and you'll find all my information there. So, uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun, Anthony. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thanks so much. Everybody that's listening, next week we have Julia Cordova on the stream. That'll be fun. So make yeah. sure you hit that subscribe button here on YouTube. You could also subscribe to Futures Radio Show anywhere where podcasts are available. Check out anthonycrudelli.com. Jack, you're the man for taking time to speak with me today. Everybody give Jack the thumbs up on Twitter. Reshare this tweet uh, later as well. All shows are recorded. So if you missed today's, it'll still be recorded here on YouTube and all of my audio platforms. Jack, you're the man, man. It was so great to speak with you. It's the first time we've spoken you're such a good guy. You're one of the good guys on Twitter. I, I love how humble you are, how honest you are. And that's why I'm such a big fan of yours because you just say it the way it is. I give you a lot of respect um, for talking about uh, just the way that you approach markets and just and, and everything. So I appreciate you, my friend. I really do. I appreciate that, Anthony. You have a great day. Thank you so much. Again, I uh, had a great time today. All right, everybody. That's it for us today. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Futures Radio Show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a five-star review on iTunes. Never miss an episode. Go to anthonycrudelli.com and get on our email list for show notifications and for free content that is exclusively for subscribers. Also on anthonycrudelli.com, you will find tons of videos and education on trading futures, options, and crypto. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Opinions expressed are solely my own and my guests, and they do not express the views or opinions of my sponsors. Future's radio show is produced by Crudelli Productions.